I'm Andrea, a traveler based in the United Arab Emirates, putting pins in my map and sending postcards from obscure and well-traveled places on our beautiful planet Earth. Join me on my journey of true, thoughtful, challenging, and curious tales, like snapping instant photos in Djibouti and going off the grid in Algeria. If you prefer to read about my travel musings and see some of my photography, check out my website and blog at www.theearthinc.com. Ink is spelled with a K. And thanks. Thank you for joining me on my adventures. The Mauritania Railway and Other Travel Tales A Cavalier travel booking took me to the country of Mauritania in December 2020. My decision was as brilliant and beautiful as the people and places I encountered there, with an added adventure of speeding across sand dunes and catapulting myself into the hopper car on the Mauritania Railway. The pandemic had the best of me, and after my wonderful trip to Namibia with TrekUp, I was determined to keep traveling to countries that would take me and my growing count of negative COVID-19 tests and travel quarantines away from the monotony of working from home, grocery deliveries, and the sedentary car in my parking garage. During the United Arab Emirates National Day holidays, I signed up with five other intrepid travelers, Mattia, Aisha, Mahmoud, Sophia, and Dan, to explore the Saharan country that only three years earlier was known for the odd tourist abductions along its border with Western Sahara and Morocco. Someone provided me with a 2017 intelligence report that I read en route to Morocco that made me second-guess the booking. But all that has changed with rigorous border patrols. Now intrepid tourists are increasingly discovering an adventurous route across the Sahara, the Mauritania Railway. Before I take you on that wild train ride, I found that Mauritania has much more to offer in peculiar and fascinating places than just sand in the Sahara. First, the people. Our journey crisscrossed the northwest part of the country guided by Abdul. He dressed in a dara, a traditional blue garment that was inherited from the Tuareg people. Died with indigo, you can read more about it in the Blue Men of the Sahara, a BBC article. He was an excellent model in many of our photos. Abdul's knowledge of his country, along with our driver's keen guidance through the Sahara Desert, took us from Nuakchot to Atar, Chingweti, Wadan, Chum, and Naudibo. In Chingweti, two curious young women followed us through the labyrinth remaining from the second oldest village of Chingweti that we explored. After we exchanged smiles for some time, I asked one of them for her photograph and captured one of the most beautiful images I've taken. As we drove through endless sand dunes, our drivers miraculously parked outside the tiny oasis de Tenoche, where we were invited to a traditional tea ceremony by the family who lives there. I am still baffled that they found this place in the vast desert dunes without GPS. But as soon as we arrived, the adults, mostly the woman of the home we visited, seated us in a tent on carpets with a few bolsters and pillows for a tea ceremony. The children waffled between disinterest and mild curiosity about the tourists who dropped in on them. One young girl with an expressionless stare stayed in the tent where we were, offered tea and dates, and simply observed the entire affair. Chingweti, a city that moves with the sand, was another extraordinary part of this trip. An eerie fate awaits those buildings constructed in Chingweti, a city that's always thinking of the next move. There are at least three iterations of this town in various stages of being overcome by sand. All that we saw of the oldest part of Chingweti was the mosque that has largely fallen out of use and a few other stone structures. 
I speculated that a couple were still occupied when I saw the colorful laundry hanging outside to dry. In the next section of Chinguetti, we walked between the city walls and looked over a labyrinth of uncovered pathways and roofless rooms. It's navigable, and the mosque in the section of town is still used. In Mauritania, five ostrich eggs on the top of the minaret mark the cardinal directions, and a fifth reflects the sun in a particular direction towards Mecca. We only saw the modern town from a distance as the sun set on our way to our guest house. A strip of trees indicate what the entire region used to be, a fertile savanna. In fact, we saw cliff drawings in nearby crags with giraffes and cows grazing on the landscape with people tending them. As the sky darkened on this evening, the lights on the horizon indicated a small enclave of people still inhabit this desert town to welcome travelers, mind the important libraries, and farm what they can. But many have left the drifting sands in search of better opportunities. Before Mauritania was a Roman province in North Africa, the region was known as the land of Chinguetti, and the city was a trading center on the route that Muslim pilgrims would take to Mecca. In fact, UNESCO has identified the ancient Kusur of Wadan, Chinguetti, Tichit, and Oalata World Heritage Sites for their cultural significance as religious trading centers. Chinguetti also has the libraries. Part of Chinguetti's religious importance can be found in the libraries of Chinguetti, hidden behind some doorways of the town. We were privileged and a little lucky to spend some time with a librarian, Abdullah Habat, as he cracked open some dusty boxes and pulled out some extremely dated books from his collection. Chinguetti's importance on the route to Mecca means that he is a keeper of many ancient religious texts. I was surprised that this library also included many books about science and math. Seeing the careful geometric lines and symbols neatly printed or drawn on the delicate pages reminded me that geometry and many principles of mathematics were found in Mesopotamia and the Arab world. Part of the reason I moved to the Middle East was my love for Islamic design. That's a, an artistic representation of those geometric discoveries. So I was fascinated by this connection of math, art, and religion in the books that we saw in Mauritania, linked all together by the religion of Islam's annual pilgrimage route to Mecca. For more information, the Washington Post has a beautiful pictographic story about the librarians and libraries of Chinguetti called Mauritania's Ancient Libraries Could Be Lost to the Expanding Desert. The tea ceremony is another interesting part of Mauritania's culture. We experienced many Mauritanian tea ceremonies along our route, but the most memorable in the Oasis de Tenoche. After driving across endless sand dunes, our drivers intuitively knew where to stop at this small refuge in the desert. A family invited us into their tents and we rested on a luscious carpet while the tea was carefully prepared by pouring sugary tea water from a small pot on the stove to a cup, to a cup, to the pot, and back again, until just the right amount of flavor and frothy foam formed on the top of a tiny serving of tea. This was repeated until we'd had enough, and then some. More important than the tea, it's apparent that these ceremonies give time to the host and guests, time to rest, and time to talk. The rickat structure, also called the Eye of Africa, is a mysterious geological feature in the middle of Mauritania and is best seen from space. NASA's Earth Observatory will give you a brilliant view of what I'm talking about. Although the formation of this place had multiple creation stories, it's now commonly and scientifically thought to be a dome that has eroded away 
to leave a ring of mineral-laden layers that stretch across a diameter of about 40 kilometers. Suffice to say that visiting a place that is scalable to outer space doesn't look quite as amazing when you're seeing it up close from our earthbound human perspective. Despite our lowly terrestrial view, there was a special feeling about standing in the middle of something bigger than ourselves. The igneous and sedimentary multicolored rocks we found were otherworldly and were formed of bullseyes and waves in the middle of them, along with fossils, interesting textures, and fascinating designs. On our way out of the rickat structure, some women and their kids were selling some stones from around the area. Mauritania is filled with colors. When I think of a Saharan country, my mind goes to shades of brown and orange sand. Yet in almost every place on earth, humans find a way to distinguish themselves rather than camouflage themselves in their environments. From clothes to packaging and household items and boats, I constantly saw the colors of civilization around us. It broke the monotony of the desert and beckoned us to experience Mauritanian hospitality in those enclaves and cities. Perhaps more than anything else, I came to appreciate color in Mauritania as a symbol of hospitality. And finally, the Mauritania Railway. Everyone does it. I mean, those who need to transit across northern Mauritania. A few trains a week tow a passenger car where you can book a ticket to squish in with other honest passengers for the 12 plus hour ride. But the others, the rest of us, stow away atop the iron ore as it travels from the mines to the seaport. Our group waited for this creaky iron machine in the town of Chum. Since the schedule is uncertain, we spent the day with the family in the village. They brought us to their school, let us play with games with their kids, and sang songs to pass the time. Around 9 p.m., we got a call that the train was on its way, so we made our way to the tracks with our gear for the night ready to be quickly uploaded. We prepared for a short three-minute stop to select our rail car, climb in the hopper, hoist up our gear, and arrange blankets over the iron ore for a more comfortable ride. We didn't wait long before one of the world's longest trains slowed to a stop. Our guide found a suitable car and we commenced our embarkation. Since I was sick during the day, I was the weakest to climb on board first. They gave me a coveted flat spot at the bottom of the mound of iron, although most of the night I had everyone's feet slouching into my side. But this stop was about 10 minutes long before the engine lurched forward and we slowly departed Chum. With my head and face covered with a balaclava and goggles, I slept uncomfortably in my iron cradle. We stopped several times during the night at various depots across the desert. I popped my head over the rail car's edge as we crept by Ben Amira, the world's second largest monolithic rock, after Aluru in Australia. Even at night, I could see its shape under the moonlight. It's these moments when I feel anonymous to the world that I experience an unforgettable moment. The leading left corner of our rail car was reserved for our toilet. So I got up in the middle of our journey when everyone else was sleeping to use that corner. I also took some time then to stand in the front of that car, feeling the forward momentum in the mild wind on my face and listening to the wheels churn against the track while the cars wobbled under their heavy loads. My eyes were fully adjusted to the dark and I could see the desert dunes and the train snake endlessly to the horizon. I felt free. In the morning, Almost exactly 12 hours after we departed Chum, the train made its first slow stop in Naudibu, the port city where the iron ore would be emptied into container ships. We made a swift escape from our dusty overnight accommodation covered in black ore residue. Disembarking at the same time, we saw other passengers who snuck on board, 
many with styrofoam bins. These business people loaded up their bins with fish from the Port Artisanal in Nadibu and ride the tracks back for fresh fish deliveries in the desert. As for us, our drivers arrived in perfect time to collect us and we headed to our motel to wash up and rest. There is so much more to this trip to Mauritania. The country may be an unusual tourist destination, but the culture, people, the history, food, and landscapes provided endless, unforgettable, and adventurous experiences. One of my fellow travelers, Mahmoud Al-Ali, compiled a video of our entire journey across Mauritania. You can see it on Instagram, linked in the article. This trip to Mauritania in December 2020 was booked through Trek Up Dubai, and the blog is not sponsored. This recording is written, delivered, produced, and copyrighted by me, Andrea, and The Earth, Inc. The music track is from the public domain, titled Trip Around the World by Antarctic Breeze, and downloaded from pixabay.com. If you'd like to reuse any part of this session on your own site, you'll need to get my permission and always credit and link to my profile. Wishing your curiosity safe travels, whether it's through your imagination, stepping into your backyard, or crossing the ocean to the other side of our world. 